0: Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. I'm excited to, to be here today. And uh, we're going to continue our series called Heaven is, the Kingdom of Heaven is Like. And, and, and we have been talking about the, the seven parables of the kingdom of of heaven. And today we are going to talk about the parable of of the the yeast. Now, uh, is one of the things that if you've been with uh, me for a while, you'll hear me often repeat this is that when God had the big idea to create this world and create mankind, it was never his intention to start a church or a religion, right? It, that was that was not on, on on in on his grid his idea was to establish or to extend the kingdom of heaven here on the earth right and and when you look at, at the bible and 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 you you see it within his context you realize that the bible is not a book about religion or a fraternity or even a a a social club. All you have to do is look at its context and you can ascertain that the Bible is a book about a king and his kingdom. So it was not about a church or or religion. It's always been about the kingdom, right? About a kingdom. And in fact, when you look at scripture, you'll realize that the word church is only used twice in all of the New Testament. And in fact, the word church, the, the, the Greek word ecclesia, where we get the, the word church or the Spanish word, the Spanish word iglesia, is actually not a religious term. It is a political term the word ecclesia was actually the name for the Roman Senate, right? And and so when Jesus tells Peter upon this rock, I will build my ecclesia, he was not speaking in a religious context, but within a political or a Kingdom context. Now, I know you probably already knew that, right? You're like, okay, pastor, keep going. I already know that. But when you look at that word, it was only used twice in all of the New Testament. And the word kingdom, whether it's in the context of, of kingdom of heaven or 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 kingdom of God is used 120 times. Well, I've never been accused for being the sharpest knife in the drawer. But I do remember that when I was in school, my teacher would say, if I repeat it, you better write it down because it's important. It'll probably be on the test, right? So we can can look at at scripture and see that kingdom is greater than than church, right? Kingdom is greater than... Than church. And in fact, when you look at Jesus' earthly ministry, he spent most of his time attacking religious ideologies and philosophies of the people than he did actually preaching to the lost. Right? That, that's When you look at, at the context of his preaching, you know, he was, he was not preaching to the lost and, and that he was attacking religious mindset. He was attacking because within, in the name of religion, the people of God had deviated from God's original plan and purpose. So what did Jesus do? He came to restore and reestablish his, his purpose. Are you still with me? So it was not God's intention to start a church or a a, a religion. It was his intention to establish the kingdom of God here on the earth through the process of colonization. Now, colonization is the process whereby a government... Or ruler determines to extend their kingdom or their rulership or influence to an additional territory with the purpose of influencing that, that territory with its will or, or desire, right? So in essence, the goal of colonization is to make a replica of the original kingdom in the new territory. And it's real easy to see that when you look at the beginning, you look at Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Eden looked just like heaven. It felt like heaven. There was no pain, no suffering, no sickness. Adam didn't have to get up and work. Eve didn't have to get up and cook. How many ladies say amen? She didn't have to iron the fig leaves, you know? Right? She It looked very much like that. But what happened, sin entered the picture and it interrupted God's original plan and purpose. And so what religion is, religion has been nothing more than than man's made up idea of how to get back to the Garden of Eden. How to get back in, 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 in that original relationship with God. But how many of you know that there is nothing that we can do that could ever get us back there? So when God sent Jesus, he didn't send, just like I said last week, he didn't send Jesus just to save you, right? It, it, it's not about just saving you. He came to establish his kingdom. Salvation is the doorway or the method for you to get into the kingdom. In fact, when Nicodemus, the religious ruler, he went to Jesus at night, the Bible says, you know, because he, he went at night because he was afraid of being put in blast by all the other synagogues, right, on Facebook, and, and so he went. At night, because he didn't want nobody to capture them on, uh, 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 in a picture. He says, what can I do to inherit eternal life for the kingdom? And what does Jesus say? Unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom. Right? Did you notice he didn't say anything about going to heaven? But the religious mindset has all made Christianity about going to heaven. And when the religious mindset made heaven the primary goal, what it did was it, it, it neutralized the church, and, and it made the church impotent. It neutralized the church, and we became very homogenous. Do you know what that means? Yeah? Read a book. Nothing. <laughs> we became isolated and sheltered, and we stopped intermingling with the unchristian people or the dirty people or the the sinful people. Right it, it, we, we stayed isolated within our, our, our own sphere of, of influence and we, we didn't want to we, we didn't want to go outside of those things and and I know Christian that for years that stopped going to their family's birthday parties or, or get-togethers because you know they, they, they believe differently or they're doing you know what we would consider sinful things right and, and we don't we, we, you know we don't want to lose our VIP ticket to heaven, right? And that's what it's about. But if you notice, he didn't tell the, the, the in, in John 3, he, he did, 33, he didn't tell them that, you know what, you gotta go to heaven to be born again. No, he said, you will not see the kingdom of heaven until you are born again. And what does he do? Once again, he's thinking in a religious context. Why? He's thinking about what I have to do to restore that relationship. He says, how is it that me being old, how can I go back into my mother's womb and be born again? And I can imagine he's like, dude, really just, you don't get it, right? But he said, unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven he didn't say unless you are saved right and then you die and then you go to heaven right that's not what he said but that's what the church has made it about is going to heaven whatever but the moment that you become regenerated and you get saved the method of entering the kingdom is salvation let me put it to you in your terms how many of you are citizens of the united states of america What did you have to do to become a citizen? They're looking for Border Patrol, like, right? <laughs> they put it up like, don't lie. What did you have to do to become a citizen of the United States? Well, some of y'all did, right? But the majority of us, we were just born in it, right? We are, we, we are born in, in it. So what was Jesus? He was saying the process of naturalization in order to become a kingdom citizen is you have to be born into the kingdom. In fact, when you look at the original manuscript and you see it in the original language, that's what Jesus said. Unless you are born of the kingdom, you will not see the kingdom. So what that tells me, the moment that we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the moment that we come and we offer up the prayer of salvation and the redemption, of sins, and we say, God, come and be my Lord and Savior, it is at that very moment that you get your citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. You don't have to wait to die to get to the kingdom. He didn't say, well, when you when you ask for prayer, and you go for to the altar, and you pray the prayer of salvation, and then you die, then you go to heaven, he goes, no, the moment that you are born in it, now you can be a part of it. And so what the enemy has done through a religious mindset is he has neutralized the church and he made it all about the rules and regulations. See, I grew up in a church where people would ask you, so what makes you a Christian? Well, I don't drink, I don't dance, I don't smoke, I don't do drugs, I don't go to the movies. I do rent them at Blockbuster, but oh no, I would never go to that, <laughs> that, that sinful Cinemark 8, right? But you rent them and bring them into your house? Like, what's the difference? You see what I'm seeing? How many of you grew up in that kind of... No, don't raise your head, right? Like, and that you would be in the movies like, "Pray, Jesus, please, give me an hour and 29 minutes. Please, please, just don't come because I want to make sure I don't miss out on my VIP ticket to go to heaven. Right? And so when Jesus comes he starts attacking the religious philosophies and the mindsets and the ideas that the people had. In fact, look at what Jesus says. These are his words in Matthew 25. If you, if you go back to Matthew 24, this is where Jesus begins his prophetic discourse, right? The disciple says, hey, when will the end come? And he starts telling them about wars and rumors of wars and famines and pestilence, da, 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 all these things. And he goes into Matthew 25 and he says, then the king will say to those on his right hand, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the church prepared for you, no, inherit the religion, right, that's what it says, no, it says inherit a membership card of access church, no, it says inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation or the creation of the world, see, in in God's plan and redemptive, in God's redemptive program, heaven was never the primary focus or goal, he didn't say enter, you know, inherit heaven. He said inherit the kingdom, right? The kingdom. So in, in God's redemptive program, it wasn't just about getting you a VIP ticket to heaven. But that's what the world, the, the, the religious mindset has made it out to be. And I often joke how we used to evangelize. If you, would, if you would die today, where would you go, heaven or hell? That's how we used to try to scare the hell out of people. No pun intended, or actually it was kind of intended, right? That's what we would do because it was not just about heaven. See, if if you if, if you become impotent and neutralized in the religious mindset, and that's what happened, we've stayed in in our own little sheltered, you know, Christian communities where where everything is is, is roses and daisies and, and paletas and you know chili con fruta and all that. You know, and we stay in our, our little homogeneous surroundings and we've allowed the enemy to overtake our world and that's why this week in our school systems our kids are going to hear about gender equality when are the christians going to stand up and say "Uh uh-oh you're not going to teach my four-year-old but but we don't want to offend we want to be politically correct Do you see what I'm saying? And then pastors, there you go preaching about politics. Pastors shouldn't preach about politics. You know what? As a believer, as a kingdom citizen, we have the responsibility to infiltrate Every sphere of influence in this world. Why? Because God gave us the world. He gave us dominion and authority here on the earth. And we need, and we need Christians in politics. We need Christians in media and entertainment. We need Christians in, in, in the political sphere, in the educational sphere, in technology. We need to do that. But the religious mindset has neutralized us. And we just stay quiet. Where's the protest of the Christians at the school board saying, "No, uh you're not going to do that to my kids. I would do it, but I'm afraid that CPS would take my kid away from me because I don't have papers yet. But once I get papers, we just stay quiet. Stay in our own little propinquity where it's comfortable because we've been neutralized. By the religious mindset. Because it was always about the kingdom. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew 6.33, seek the kingdom of God above all else. He didn't say seek church, religion, spirituality, good vibes, be a good person. He says seek the kingdom of God and live righteously and he will give you everything You need. It's a priority mandate. What what is it? To to seek above all. That means your, your first priority as a human that has been made in the image and the likeness of God. Has been restored and redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Your first responsibility is to establish the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven wherever you go. Your car, your office, your work, your classroom, your, your home, to establish. That doesn't mean to go and be a religious snob. Don't be weird as a believer. Don't be, you know, I'm tired of weird Christians. Be normal. Love people. Love Jesus. But don't be a religious, oh, we don't do that. No. We have to establish the kingdom wherever we go. So in Matthew 13, Jesus shifts his language from the first 12 chapters of Matthew, where he's talking about the first level of Christianity. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And then he starts talking about the kingdom level of Christianity, the, the responsibilities and that, that we have. He first talks about the benefits of kingdom citizenship, and then he begins to talk about the, the commitment and, and the responsibility of being a kingdom citizen. And so he goes on with a series of seven parables to, to illustrate what the kingdom of heaven is like. And so we're going to pick up in Matthew 13. 30. Man, you guys are quiet today. I'm like scaring you. I don't know, but... It says, Matthew 13, 33, Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast of a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. So when you read your scripture, you'll see that first he told the parable of the mustard seed, the one I talked about two weeks ago, and he follows this up right, right after that. He follows this up with this parable saying the kingdom of heaven is like the yeast, right? So biblical scholars have been divided on how to interpret or understand this story. And, you know, it's amazing how something's so short and a brief abbreviated could actually cause so much difference of opinion, right? So there are two main interpretations to this story, and they are actually polar opposites. The first one is that the yeast represents the kingdom of God. The second interpretation is that yeast represents the presence of evil. Why? Because throughout scripture, yeast was often compared to something evil or or to sinful life or sinful habits, right? But I tend to lean to interpretation number one. Why? Because Jesus is following up the story of of the parable of, of the smallness of the mustard seed growing into a, a substantial presence and and the seed in in that parable definitely signifies or represents the kingdom. Now, would it make sense that these these two twin parables about the kingdom are essentially making the same point, right? That the kingdom may start small, but it will eventually grow and over and expand in time. We also must look at the context. He's not comparing the kingdom to the yeast, but to the effect the yeast has on the dough. Are you with me? You see that. He says the kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman, you know, put in, in, in three measures of, of, of flour, right? So we can see that he's not comparing it to the actual yeast, but within this context, he's comparing it to the effect that the yeast has on the dough. Are you with me? So the first point that we can draw from here is that the kingdom of God may have small beginnings, but it will expand. That growth, growth in, in in your spiritual life, in, in in your church, it's going to be very organic. See, a lot of times we we think that the moment that that you accept Jesus Christ, that that everything in your life changes. You know, back in the day when people would get saved after church, we we you know we would we would receive them as as members, and we'd give them a list of dos and don'ts. Now, cut your hair. Don't don't shave your legs. Don't wear makeup. Aren't you glad we don't live under that law? Anymore. Some of y'all need to shave your legs. <laughs> right? None of our ladies here need makeup. You guys are just natural beauties, right? But we've made it. You 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 see how it, it, it made that. And we tried to change people from the outside in, right? We we tried to do that. We made it all about about the king, the 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 rules, right? And and so in the Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is 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 something small. Yeast is small. It's tiny. It's granular. It's it's unimpressive and 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 seemingly insignificant. And yet when it it put when it it, it has it's in the right environment it can create a big impact and it enlarges the flower which will give it an amazing influence in the dough and that's what the kingdom of the heaven is like in the world it started with a few fishermen and other unimportant unaffluent followers enlarging to the point where it impacted the whole earth and that's what he's saying just like the mustard seed is small and tiny insignificant but when it's planted in the right place in the right environment environment it will grow it will flourish and then he follows us up it's just like the yeast that even though you can't even see it, it, it it's in there it, it's doing its job it's it, it, it's it's taking something and changing it and transforming it that's what the kingdom and let me tell you religion has never changed anybody but when you get a relationship with Jesus Christ and you become a kingdom citizen and you begin to submit yourself and walk within the kingdom of heaven let Let me tell you, the change will happen in your life. It has to change. The second thing... What I see here, it says that she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour. See, the yeast works subtly, quietly. It's hidden in the flour, worked in the dough invisibly, yet it will eventually penetrate to the whole dough. So the second thing that I see here is that the kingdom of God exerts its influence from within, not from without. Religion wants to change the outside Religion wants, wants to focus on, on the external. The kingdom of heaven wants to focus what's on inside. See, what you've got to realize with God, God has not always been about the act. What matters to God is the intention of the heart, So you can do the right thing on the outside, but if you have the wrong heart on the inside, it doesn't matter. See, some of you tithe and you give out of obligation or begrudgingly just because you don't want to look bad. Let me tell you right now, it's better that you don't even give because it doesn't matter what you do to God. It matters the heart in which you do it. See, God is all about the inside. We talked about it two weeks ago that when, when Samuel was praying for a king, right, and God God sent him a boy and he looked and he's like, God, I think we got our signals mixed up because I asked for a king and you give me a shepherd boy. What does God say? Man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. And see, we go around judging people on the outside of how they look or, or, or how they dress or how they do that. But what I see, Jesus is saying, wait a minute, because remember, he's talking about the, 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 the Pharisees and the, the Sadducees who were so involved on the outside. They were the ones that would fast and they would walk around like, oh, I'm fasting today. I'm so weak, I've been fasting. Are you fasting? Oh, me too. And, and they would make it. They'd come in, 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 the, in the temple, with their offerings, blowing trumpets, wanting everybody to see how much they give. That's what religion does. And Jesus is saying, my kingdom is not about that. My kingdom is not about the outside. My kingdom is about the inside. It's about, it's about the intention of the heart. That's why Jesus says you can look at someone, and if you have hate in your heart, you already killed them. So he's saying that the kingdom exerts its influence from within. See, yeast makes the dough rise from within. So God first changes the heart of a person. Then that internal change will have external and external manifestation. I have a very good friend who's a minister and a pastor in in Dallas that when we met, we were both, you know, young men. And... uh, and I got to hear his testimony as a young man. He was, he was part of the Mexican mafia. And, and he would, uh, you know, drugs and guns. And in fact, when I met his sister, I was actually preaching at a, at a youth rally. And God gave me a word for her, his sister that God was going to save her brother. I had never met her, never seen her before. I said, God's going to save your brother. And she's probably thinking, you're crazy. Because my brother, like, he's, he's really bad. Later on, she told us that she was so scared because he would hide the guns under her bed in her house. Well, years later, I meet this young man. Like, he was the most conservative, very formal young man that you could ever meet, like a good Christian. Not like me, like he was a good Christian young man. Wore nice suits and ties, creased pants, penny loafers, right? And I go to hear his testimony. He begins to tell me, how he was involved in the Mexican Mafia and, and how God got a hold of him and changed his life. And he went to Mexico and, and he went to Bible college and, and God began to change him and, and work with him. Well, he finished Bible college and he had to go back home to Dallas. And he was afraid because those same people that he used to run with now wanted him dead. But he had to make a decision Am I going to stay hiding or I'm going to walk in my newfound faith? So he tells the story that one day he was walking in the mall and he comes, he sees he, ahead of about four or five of the main, main leaders of, of the gang that he used to run with. And he's like, oh man, well, actually he probably said, oh crap, but I'm at the pulpit, so I won't say that. <laughs> and he's like, Where do, what do I do? He was sweating. And he just kind of stood there, and they walked by. And he looks freaked out. So he goes around and walks by them again. He was not very smart. (laughs) He walked around them three times, and they never recognized who he was. The work that God did in his heart was so amazing that it even affected the way he looked on the outside. I saw his old driver's license. No, he estaba bien vato. (laughs) Little mustache and everything. Right? Completely different. But see, that's the power of the kingdom. It's not our job to work on the outside, the Holy Spirit takes care of that. It's our job just to get the kingdom of God on the inside. And once the kingdom of God is on the inside, He will take care of the outside. And that's how the culture of the kingdom works. It works in the same way. See, you and I as Christians and believers, we are agents of change. We are factors of change that we will slowly transform the culture around us. See, we should transform our offices. We should transform our, our businesses, our homes, our, our classrooms. Instead of treating people like, like, like a spiritual snob or a spiritual mafia. Condemning them because they celebrate Christmas and they have Christmas trees and Easter bunny. Right? And we become so homogenous that we have failed to influence the culture and we're letting the culture influence us. Right? Right? But when you are a kingdom person, you're like the yeast. Let me tell you, the moment they hire you, that office or that business should never be the same. You should not be the one gossiping about the boss. You should not be the one, you know, patting the time clock. You shouldn't be the one calling in sick, showing up late. You should be the one that every boss wants to hire. Hey, you got 10 more of those people that go to your weird church? Can you bring them? Because, like, you guys really do good work, and we want those kind of people. That's what you should have. Not condemning everybody hell because they don't believe like you. They don't dress like you. They don't think like you. That's what the kingdom is. That's what Jesus was saying. It's going to start from the inside, and it will work its way out. And, and I love what he says here. It, it tells us that he took three measures. Uh, uh, he put a little yeast in three measures of flour, right? And and obviously Jesus was like, you know, speaking hyperbolically, like exaggerating. Why? Do you know that three measures of flour was enough to feed 300 people? about 36 quarts of flour. He's saying if you if you have three measures of flour and you just put a little yeast, it's going to affect a huge amount of dough. And, and, and so what that tells me that a little bit of kingdom love and a little bit of kingdom life is a, enough to influence and impact your family, your marriage, your world. It's enough to change everything around you. And what I see there is that there is this law of 1%. For every 100 pounds of flour, you need only about a pound of yeast. In other words, it takes only 1% to activate the 99. When Jesus is telling the parable of the 100 sheep and one leaves and 99, he's not talking about that sinner that used to go to church and doesn't leave. That one sheep represents Israel who left the world, who left the flock. And because that Israel left the flock, God's love was provoked so much that he sent his son to die to save him because that one, one flock left. that God's love was provoked so much. And Jesus came down. Now he brought salvation for the whole world. So one will, will activate the 99. In Judges, we see Gideon had an army of 30,000 soldiers. But God says, you don't need that money. I just need 1%. So he pared the army down to 300. And all it took was 300 obedient, God-fearing soldiers to activate all the army of heaven to give Gideon and his army the great victory. you look Look at Abraham and Sarah, 99 years of, of, of barrenness, 99 years of unbelief. But one year they decided, you know what, this time I'm going to believe the word of God. And that one year of faith, it erased 99 years of unbelief. And they were able to give birth to the promise of God. All it takes in the kingdom is just a little bit. It doesn't take very much see sometimes we think that you have to have 5 or 10 years and got to say no you don't understand my kingdom is so powerful if you just get a little bit it'll affect everything in your life it'll affect and that's why paul writes look what he writes in, in 1 Corinthians 420 for the kingdom of god is not just a lot of talk it's living By God's power. See, when we made it about church and not the kingdom, we became impotent. We lost our power. And Jesus says, I don't want you to live without power. That's why you need to make it about the kingdom and not about religion and not about rules. It's about my kingdom. And if you'll just get a little bit of kingdom in your life, everything will change the reason we've alienated so many people around us is because we've made it about the rules and not about the kingdom we've made it about the external and not about the internal we become so homogenous and isolated from the world. See, one of the my, my theories is why the church has lost its passion for evangelism is because we're no longer with people that are lost. Because if you were with people that were lost on a daily basis, broken and hurting suffering if you would see their lives on a, on a day-to-day basis, knowing that you have the answer. Knowing that God has given you the key to bring life and health and restoration to their marriage, to their home, their family. But we just go about our way. We have church on Sunday and then Monday through Saturday, but when your kingdom, you're not just kingdom on Sunday, you're kingdom on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday, you're not just kingdom during this this block of, of this religious obligation. Because when your kingdom, the kingdom permeates and impregnates every area of your life. You walk differently. You talk differently. Your wife begins to look at you like, why are you all weird now? Like, you're like you weird. It's because I got a little bit of kingdom in me. Your husband looks at you like, you're weird. You used to nag and everything. And now you're praying and praising me all the time and telling me what an amazing husband I am. What's wrong with you? It's because I got a little bit of kingdom. Thank you, mija. Keep clapping. Give her an extra coffee mug. That's all it takes. I love it when you tell people, about Access Church, but more than tell them about Access Church, tell them about the kingdom of God. This is just the embassy of the kingdom government of heaven here on the earth. Tell them about the kingdom and what the kingdom life can do for them, not the rules There's a story that we heard, and I love to share this story. And I'm gonna say it because he's not here. His wife's here. So, when we used to live downtown, I found out that Eagle Pass loves parades. Like they have a parade for everything, and they always go through downtown. So I heard the parade, and I walked out of my house, and I was standing there. And as I was standing there in the corner watching the parade go by, I saw this little boy, real cute little boy, that they've been coming to church uh, maybe a couple of months. I didn't even really know his name yet. And I saw him; he's looking at me, and he looks at his mom. He's like, "Mom, that's—I think that's the pastor." Turn around, and she. And I didn't even know her name yet. I'm like, hey, how are you? Whatever. She introduced me to her husband who had never been to church. And probably would swore that he would never go to church. So I greet them everything. A few months later, he starts coming to church. And a few months later, he's coming and we're fellowshipping and talking. And one day... They tell me the story that that day when I met her husband, he turns to his wife and says, that's the pastor? (laughs) She's like, yeah, why does he dress like that? (laughs) He's weird. I don't know what she said. But you know what he said? I'll go to that church. And he's been coming faithfully ever since. He's not here because he's working, not because he missed. He's working. That's the only time he missed. And let me tell you, he used to work like in the wee hours of the morning, two, three, four in the morning, and he would still come to church. Not because we showed him the rules, the regulations, the rituals, because we showed him the kingdom. And I've said it before, I didn't come to pastor everybody in Eagle Pass. Some people need a real pastor, right, who looks like a pastor. But I've often said, if I came just for him, it was well worth it. It's about the kingdom. And there's other stories. Well, that same man has a brother who wouldn't come to church. And he started inviting his brother to church. And his brother says, I don't have nothing to wear. He's like, dude, you don't need to wear that. You should look at the pastor. Like <laughs> true conversation that people have. I don't have the clothes. Like, you don't need to worry about that. Just come as you are. It's not about the outside, it's about what God's doing on the inside. Will you stand? Lord, I thank you. Because we don't need a lot of religion. We just need a little bit of kingdom. And once we get the seed of the kingdom planted within us, it will begin to flourish and permeate every aspect of our life. God, I thank you. Because you're transforming and changing us from the inside out. God, we want to be a kingdom church that loves people but that establishes your kingdom wherever we go, in our schools, in our homes, in our offices, our businesses, in restaurants. God, we want to be that that yeast, that transforming factor that will be a change to the families of this city. We just love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those who have given to support this ministry. Without you, none of this is possible. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe and share it on social media. Thank you for listening. God bless you.